dare great things for Christ. Christ calls us to dare great things. In the marketplace, as well as in the mission field, there has never been a time like the present for the spirit of the Catholic entrepreneur. Now is the time for men and women of great courage and great vision to engage our church and our culture. Now is the time to dare great things. And here is your host as we dare great things, Father Nathan Cromley, the president and founder of the St. John Institute. Leaders are people of action. They're those who have the vision to know what they want to do, the intelligence to choose how to do it, and the dedication to carry the job through. It's this last part that is a challenge for many. As soon as we begin the process of change, challenges will arise from every side. How do we form the heart and the drive sufficient to carry our actions through to success? In these circumstances, the Christian faith shines beautifully and gives Christian leaders an advantage. Hi, everybody, and welcome back. I'm glad to continue this course with you on the difference that Christ makes in our leadership. And I want to acknowledge that even saying that can be a little bit provocative because leadership is leadership, right? It's almost like saying there's a different type of Christian car, right? You can't say there's a Christian car and a non-Christian car. Well, you can't say there's Christian leadership and non-Christian leadership in the sense that the, the same structure is in place. You have wheels and an engine and a steering wheel and a you know a dashboard and you got the same thing when it comes to leadership you need to know what you want to do you need to be able to find the best way to do it you need to actually engage no matter what and what's happening and make the action happen and then you've got to do it with other people you've got to be able to trust other people delegate properly etc you've got the same structure in the christian active leadership as in the non-christian active leadership right the difference that christ makes isn't a new car it's a new driver leadership can be the same structure but how we carry it out and the spirit that we take into it well that's vastly different and what I love about Christianity is that we have a perspective that literally changes the world, that's bigger than that of the world. So, I mean, there's nothing wrong with a, a secular-based leadership model. It's really great. It's just that it won't go as far, and it won't be as creative, and it won't have the, 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 the right perspective, the ultimate perspective in mind at all times. So again, it's like, it's not that it's bad. It's just there's a difference that Christ makes that makes Christian leadership have a unique advantage when it comes to the field of action. Since we operate out of a perspective of faith, right? Not, not necessarily a personal adherence, but a perspective of truth that goes beyond the present life and pierces into the heavens, well, of course, our ideas of what could be done are much broader. We don't begin with the premise that everything on earth is predetermined and that there are certain political constructs that simply must be observed. We kind of come from God. We have the perspective that says, I come from an understanding of the world that says that it's in God's hands and therefore all things are possible with God. And that we can, in fact, endeavor to do the great things, the big things, the best things. I mean, it's, it's an amazing perspective. You're, you almost look at a Christian thinker and say, where did this person come from? Which is exactly what they said about Christ. Remember when he came back to Nazareth 
and, and he started teaching the people in Nazareth. They said, where did he get all this? Don't we know his mother and father, right? Like where, where did he get this? It's a brand new teaching. It's a teaching with authority, right? That's the Christian creativity. That's the, our ability to say, hey, we're looking at the same playing field, but we're going to look at it from the perspective of, of what God can do, of what the human person can do, you know, especially when endowed by grace. And there are certain confines that we just, we, we can go beyond. The, the beauty of mercy, for example, uh, the, the newness of forgiveness from sins, the, 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 the idea of a dignity of, of a human soul that is what gives everything material its ultimate purpose. All these ideas are wonderful, and we bring them to the playing field when we're a Christian leader. Not only that, but when we make our decisions, we have the audacity to rely upon God. Not that he replaces our prudence or, or makes decisions for us, no, but that he could guide us to understand the real depth of the perspective that we're facing. What are the circumstances? What are the limitations? I mean, all of us are using the natural use of our reason and the, the understanding of science, et cetera, to do those things, and that's fine. But what, wouldn't it be wonderful if, if God could guide that process and actually open our minds beyond our pride and our jealousy and the various things that can actually clog the wheels of our reason? And, and, and our anger and our bitterness about the past, all those things, and actually clear the field and say, no, here's the truth about the situation. I mean, that's terrific because then we'd be able to make decisions that are even better. And that's what Christians do. And then Christians, of course, have to engage in that act. And that's where I want to focus us in today. The difference that Christ makes when it comes to actually doing what we've said we were going to do. Now, we know, we talked in the last time about the importance of engaging that act and how Christ gives us courage, right? It's, it's one of those things in the Bible where it says 365 times in the Bible, do not be afraid, which is remarkable because it's, of course, the same number of days in a year. <laughs> it's a, for every day of the year, God's telling us, don't be afraid. And fear is something that keeps us back, right? Because we realize that as soon as we begin this action, our name is now attached to it. It's one thing to have plans, another thing to have ideas. It's a totally other thing to actually claim your action. And Jesus is there to say, you know what? I'm there to support you and I will hold you by the hand, but I'm not also going to take from you the dignity that can come from you owning what you're doing. Because when you do something, you give it back to me and you glorify me and you become a gift to your fellow human beings. If you just want to remember what the world would look like if you weren't leading, you know, just go back and watch It's a Wonderful Life. What a great movie, right? We all remember that movie. It's so beautiful because the guy actually spends his life doing good and yet he thinks he's no good. And when he sees what the world would have been had he not been there, he's filled with awe and wonder and thankful, thankfulness. And it's the same thing for each one of us. Well, your leadership is crucial. And you engaging in your business is impacting the lives of many, many people. What if you could engage in it with the spirit of Christ? You'd be able to impact many, many people with that spirit of Christ. And I think that's such a beautiful and enticing and appealing thing that I want to get behind you and say, be not afraid. Try. It's okay to readjust afterwards, right? But when you've tried, you suddenly find you're in a whole different sphere now you're in the sphere of action. You've jumped off of the platform and now you're flying through the air, right? And this is, it takes a little bit of an adjustment. 
we're used to the safety of the planning phase. You know, it's like I was sitting with an architect one time who said, well, if you don't want this wall, it's real easy right now. All I have to do is erase it on the paper. After we build it, it'll cost you $30,000 to erase it. You know, and he started chuckling, right? <laughs> because like when you're in the planning phase, you can just erase things. You can go back to zero. It doesn't really count. You're just dreaming, right? You're thinking about what it's going to be like when I'm married one day. Oh, won't that be wonderful? And you, and, but it doesn't cost you anything. And you also don't have the glory of the ring on your finger. Right? Instead, you're just dreaming about what it might be like. But when you actually put that ring on your finger, now you're in a different process. You can't go back. There's no way out. There's only a way forward. And you've made your promise, your vow to your spouse. And so, whoa, now the world has really changed because I really have merged my bank accounts, <laughs> for example, when you're married, right? And I've, I've, now I'm doing the deed. I am, I am moving forward and I am married. Since I can't go back, well, the question is, how do I keep going forward? Especially when all of the troubles hit and the hard times come and the sacrifices have to be endured, right? Here too, Christ makes a difference. And it's not to say that the structure is any different between what a Christian act and a non-Christian act. The same things have to be done. But the Christian will persevere with a constancy that is unique. And I want to talk to you about it. Does your family matter? Join the St. John Leadership Network and receive a family mission infographic that will help you focus on your family. To learn more, go to www.stjohnleadershipnetwork.org member and join for free today. When I look at the life of Jesus Christ, the ultimate and perfect leader, and I look at the life of the saints like St. Paul, St. Peter, I'm struck by the fact that their way was not easy. And I say I'm struck by that fact because it's a little bit surprising. When we think about Jesus or we think about the saints, we make them into ideas and, and ideals and, and, and we keep them from the realism of what was revealed to us about their life. I mean, when I go back over the life of Christ, I see a man who was rejected by his hometown and not just rejected, okay? He was rejected in royal fashion. I mean, they rose up and drove him to the brow of a hill intent on killing him. <laughs> it's a slightly dramatic scene, everybody, right? And that's not the only time they tried to kill him. Twice they picked up stones to throw at him to kill him. They were plotting against his death for, you know, half of his apostolic life. He had to sleep on the side of the road. He had to sleep outside of towns. He was, he was not welcome in the, in the hearts of many, many people. And everywhere he went, he was used. He was, think about it. Everyone wanted him to heal them. And it's rare that someone says, we just want to talk with you, Jesus, or how are you doing? You know, it's like, and as he goes on this journey, he never stops. Uh, and his way finishes with, of course, the condemnation, even though he's innocent. I mean, Pontius Pilate even says, I find no fault with this man. And then he condemns him to death. He has to carry his cross, his own cross up a hill, and then he dies on it. This is a life that's marked with a lot of difficulty. St. Paul, if you want to really look at difficulty, read the life of St. Paul. Go back and read the Acts of the Apostles and just tell me that you wouldn't want this guy to be working for you. I mean, <laughs> he never stops. 
You know, you can count five different riots that form around St. Paul where he's beaten or driven out of a town, crowds of people in the streets, you know, shouting against him. And he, and he doesn't stop. He moves on, does it again, does it again. And he's preaching the whole time. He's sleeping, you know, outside of towns. He's sleeping in people's houses. He, he's, he never stops and he's creative in how he solves problems, but he's dogged in his pursuit. And that goes all the way to him being imprisoned unjustly for at least two years in Caesarea, then going to Rome for two more years in prison while he was waiting for his trial, and then finally going back to Rome where he's beheaded. Simon Peter, same thing. Uh, you look at all the obstacles that came his way as he tried to govern the church. St. Paul goes and persecutes his whole church, scattering them throughout the countryside. He's got to convince the, the, the Jewish followers that it's okay to baptize the Gentiles. Go back and read Acts chapter 11 because he's baptized Cornelius. He takes a move on that one. Then he's got to try to keep everyone together while they're debating all of these theological topics. Uh, and he ends up going to Rome where not only is he crucified, but he's crucified upside down. This is not the path of ease. And I don't think leadership is the path of ease. I, I think when you really are trying to lead, you're trying to solve problems. And solving problems always is a problem. <laughs> and it challenges us because it's, it's almost like being on a boat, right? When you're a leader and you're, you're cruising across the ocean and you're getting hit by waves. I mean, if you don't want waves, then don't sail on the ocean. Just stay in the port, stay in the harbor, you know, sit, lounge around on the dock. If life was supposed to be about ease and safety, then, it, then no one would lead. That's for sure. But life is not about ease and safety. Life is about solving problems so that others can have the ease and safety they need to thrive. But we need those who are willing to go out and hit the fronts of the waves and climb those mountains and fight the battles. And those people are you. That's why you came to the St. John Leadership Network. That's why you're, you're here with this formation. And, and I want to tell you that not only does God love what you're doing, but he supports you with a grace that's unique. And it's a grace that he gives to those who dare, those who dare to lead. And that grace it looks in, in the heart of a leader like what I call constancy. Now, Christian constancy is the difference that Christ makes and that grace makes when we are engaging in an act action and we need to carry it through to the end. I want to tell you about a word that St. Paul uses to describe this constancy. Hupomenain. It's a Greek word. And what it means is, it's translated usually as long-suffering or perseverance. And perseverance might be the best translation for it. But it literally means the ability to stay or to remain over and above expectations. It means to, to a super dwelling, an ability to stay constant in what you've determined that goes beyond the obstacles that you face. That's a good way to translate it. That's the hooper, right, in Greek. And in German, they would translate that hooper by over, right? And that over in Latin becomes super. So it's this sense of like an over remaining or a super remaining. The ability to stay constant, in other words, despite whatever is thrown at you. In other words, what we would say today, it's just sheer grit. The grittiness to not give up and to not give in is an actual necessity for anyone who's in a role of leadership. 
Now, obviously there are times where you need to quit. There's times where it's smart to fail forward and fail fast, right? We all understand these things. I'm not saying to be brash or to be imprudent and to not give up for the sake of not giving up. But I am saying that carrying a task through, no matter what, and finishing what you said you would do requires a metal of soul, a, 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 a tinsel strength of character that's the envy of, of every parent who wants to see that in their children and is the desire that every boss would like to see, of course, in their employees. And it's something that every, every great leader has. I know that their foes against me are arrayed, but there is a strength within me that's greater than the opposition before me. It's the spirit of a fighter that is constant in what they have proposed to do despite everything that's thrown at them. And this is something that's trained, it's developed, it's learned, and it's also sanctioned by God and blessed by his grace. And it's something that he wants to give us be over and above even our own strength. This is the difference that Christ makes. All of us want to be constant. All of us are where we are right now in the world in a position of leadership in part because of our natural character and what we were taught and how we learned how to work and all those things. But Christ brings a constancy that's unique. The leader who's rooted in Christ will be able to endure greater hardships, will be able to endure them with a deeper sense of joy, will be able to lose more for the sake of the cause, and will be able to lead through conflict and strife with a grace and a unique dignity. It's the dignity that Christ himself had when he went through his great battles and when he walked on the highways of life as the leader that he himself was for all of us. How can I be like Christ in my leadership? How can I face the difficulty that's in front of me with the equanimity of soul and the, the magnanimity of the king and that regal joy that never left the heart of Christ? Even when he went through all that he went through, he went through it like a king. This is the, the, the spirit that he wants to give to each one of us so that we can lead our people in the same way he did, being constant like he was. Would you like your business to become a virtuous workplace? Would you like Father Nathan to come to an event in your town? Visit www.stjohnleadershipnetwork.org slash r-events and join for free today. When we look at the life of Christ and we look at the life of the great saints like St. Paul, we're struck by the fact that they were given a mission and they carried it out despite intense adversity. Uh, amazing opposition. People throwing stones at you, people you know, driving you out of cities, people rejecting you to your face, people you know, conspiring against you. All the, I mean, amazing opposition that's, that's recounted in the Bible. And yet they remained constant. What, what was their secret? What was the spirit that Jesus gives to his apostles? When he knows, he says, I'm sending you out like lambs in front of wolves. <laughs> right? So, I mean, this is, it's not like he says this is going to be easy. He says this is going to be hard. Remember that you were not made for things that were easy only. You were, we were made for things that were hard. When we accomplish things that are hard, we actually change the arena of the combat itself. The, the culture is changed by those who conquer it. We can always enjoy what culture gives us, and that's a fine thing, and that's an important thing. 
But when we want to change what culture gives, when we want to win it for Christ, when we want to change the, the arena for others, well, there we have to move with a different set of skills into what is hard and not complain that the fact that it's hard means that we shouldn't do it. <laughs> Sometimes the things that we should do are the hardest thing. Sometimes. Sometimes they're easy as well. But when we do them, that's what is hard. We need to develop this heart inside that's commensurate with, the, with the, the challenges in front of us. Remember what St. John says, the one who is behind us is bigger than the one who was in front of us. It's in his first letter. And I love that quote because, of course, it's wonderful. But it also means that we're in the middle, <laughs> right? If the one that is behind us is stronger than the one that is in front of us, then we're in the middle, which means that we need to let the one behind us give us strength to face the one that's in front of us. And when we do that, the one in front of us falls. And that's, of course, what we're striving for. Now, what is it that makes Christian constancy? Where does it come from? Profoundly, its root is in our motivation. We are motivated by a love that is more intense and greater than anything in the world. It's a love that comes directly from God. And let's always remember this. The motivation for all of our leadership should flow as an act of love between our hearts and the heart of our God. And, and, and everything that we do at work and all that we do with our people, it's actually caught up in this relationship of deep love. I am singing my song of love back to my God in that office and in those interviews and by creating those forms and by effectuating the task that's in front of me. And even though I have to do it constantly be, being you know, harassed from the outside by all kinds of threats and that that's a real cross that I have to carry, I won't let go because the reason I'm carrying that cross is deeper than the pain that I'm undergoing while carrying it. And that reason is Jesus and his love. And that reason is the love that Jesus had for this world that I share in. The desire to make the life of children better. The desire to bring hope to the hopeless. To set prisoners free. To heal those who are wounded. Isn't that amazing? I mean, if that's not in your heart, then you're, you're missing out. Right? It, it, Christianity is not a thought, that we, an appendage that we put onto our life, everybody. Christianity is the fire within our breast, a fire that, that pushes us forward, but that also is, allows us to celebrate in the knowledge of a victory that is already won by Christ our Lord and for which we are fighting even now upon the earth. I'm driven, in other words, not by an earthly success, not by the desire to own more things. I'm driven because God has so loved this world that he wants me to show that love by my dedication to the process of leadership, right? Like that. When you can say that, there's a, a secret joy, a, a kind of hidden smile that's always inside of your soul. Just imagine some of the great leaders like Mother Teresa of Calcutta, St. Francis of Assisi, right? Just use examples of religious leaders, but they, they endured incredible things. St. Francis Xavier, who sailed all around the world baptizing 100,000 people. I mean, why did they do all that? They didn't get any gain out of it. They took a vow of poverty even, right? It's because their motivation for opposing all the adversity that came their way and staying constant 
was a song of love between their heart and Christ. And I'm telling you, when you have that going, you have something that makes the entire world tremble. Because a Christian will not stop, will not give up, no matter what it costs. And that's the beauty. We have found, in other words, the victory that we're fighting for. We wage war from peace. And we wage war for peace, but from peace, right? We act out of a victory. We act out of a motivation that has already found us. We have the secret within and we're trying to share it. And if that's your perspective when you're there in that office and making those hires and balancing that budget, well, then there's a joy that's the envy of the world inside of you. And then finally, the constancy finds its perfection in flexibility. And that's a, a, a beautiful term because it's like we're like water. We always find a way. Right? And, and the Christian's ability, sometimes even, like I said, to fail fast and to fail forward, hey, that's all part of it because you haven't failed until you've stopped trying. But when you've pulled back and realigned and recalibrated and apologized for mistakes that you made, right, you're actually still moving forward. And, and the flexibility of the Christian mind, thanks to Christ, look at how flexible he was. He started off going into towns. Then they said that he couldn't come into towns anymore. So he stayed outside of towns. Then he went into Jerusalem where they didn't want him. Sometimes he went in hiding. Sometimes he went in public. Sometimes he spoke to Greek, to, to, to the people in parables. Sometimes he told them things directly. He moved and flexed because he was always accomplishing the fundamental task that was given to him. And he accepted that maybe his way wouldn't be as perfectly laid out in a worldly sense. When he, when he was born, for example, in Bethlehem, next thing you know, Herod shows up and he's got to run all the way down to Egypt. And then he comes from Egypt all the way back to Nazareth. You know, that from Nazareth to Capernaum, he's moving constant, constantly. And all of that requires of him this flexibility of soul. I'm accomplishing my Father's will in all things and in all times and in all ways. And I think it's important for each one of us to have that same flexibility. Sometimes we're our own worst enemies because we, we say that we have to succeed for God as the world defines our success for God. And so we feel like a failure. We feel like we judge ourselves and knock ourselves down in a million different ways. And in fact, we don't have to succeed for God in the way that the world says we have to succeed. We have to succeed for God in the way that he has determined for us. And sometimes the flexibility of adjusting to the circumstances is a great testimony to our trust in his providence. And so by being constant, we win. By being constant, we, we allow the love that motivates us to push us through the adversities and we take the hits necessary. By being flexible in all things, we glorify God and we do the job we were sent to do. We lead in the name of Christ. Dare great things for Christ. Share your feedback with Father Nathan. Send us an email at info at stjohninstitute.org. That's info at stjohninstitute.org. And don't forget to subscribe to premium video content to form, unite, and inspire you at Eagle Eye Pro on our website, eagleeyeministries.org. That's eagleeyeministries.org.